Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times, and stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in, but you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro, easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. O-G. Make some noise! How you doing, everyone? I'm Ross Salzberg, and once again, I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. With the 2019 baseball season now upon us, what do we have? A new book on the Yankees, Inside the Empire. And who does it take shots at? None other than the captain of all people, Derek Jeter. Plus, a stupid new rule proposal in the NFL, gambling on the NBA. And if there was ever a doubt in your mind that Barbara Streisand was a moron, you can remove all doubt whatsoever. So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right. So here we are at the baseball season, and, uh, you know, Yankees opening up at home uh, this week against the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, there was an excerpt in uh, that I read last week. Uh, I have, don't have the book yet. I ordered it. Uh, uh, by the time you hear this, it will have been released. I think it was supposed to be released on the 26th of uh, this month uh, of March. Anyway, it's called Inside the Empire. All right. And it's about the Yankees, which to me is fine. I, I could care less. You know, you can write what you want to write. But and the, the it's it's co-authored by Bob Clappish, uh, who I'm certainly familiar with, uh, longtime baseball writer here in uh, the New York area. He first he was with the Daily News and then with the Bergen Record, and it's also he's co-written it, co-authored it with um, Paul Sol- Solotaroff. Anyway, my point is this: so I'm reading it, and Okay, it looked to me, for lack of a better term, a real kiss-ass job up on the Yankees. I mean, 
They all could have, you, you know, it, it seemed like Brian Cashman could have dropped his drawers, bent over, and they were kissing his ass. Really. And I, I understand, you know, you're doing a thing on the Yankees, but it, it just seems so agenda-filled. And I, I didn't grow up a Yankees fan. So I'm just saying, it just seemed so agenda-filled, it, it made me shake my head. Because it was anointing, uh, if you will, at least the way I was reading it, and I was just reading from an excerpt, but I'm telling you, from what I was reading, it was anointing Brian Cashman as if he was Branch Rickey. Okay? As if he was this genius. And that's okay. But then when the book <laughs> was really taking shots at the captain, Derek Jeter, that made me scratch my head. I mean, it is Derek Jeter. Certainly one of the most popular Yankees of all time. Of all time. I didn't say the best Yankee of all time, but certainly one of the most popular Yankees of all time. Certainly the most popular Yankee of his era. Case closed. And, you know, I'll throw in all of them, in, including the great Mariano. Nobody was more popular than Jeets. Okay. But it just seemed to me, it, it was just strange. Like, I'm, I'm reading this book, and here you are, uh, you're talking about, oh, how basically Cashman picked Jeter's pocket to get Giancarlo Stanton. Well, you know, I don't see it as a pickpocket. I see it as Derek Jeter went into his new position with the Marlins and as owner in charge of baseball operations, whatever, and he was cleaning house. So, I mean, it wasn't a hard pocket to pick if you had your pockets inside out and say, here, come and get it. You know what I'm saying? It just seemed very, very strange to me, and and, and I did not understand it. I, I'm reading this, and it's like, it's just there was one part in it where they're talking about Cashman, like the three or four masters of his craft, is one part diplomat to two parts pickpocket. He can politely boost your watch and wallet. And leave you thinking the heist was your idea. Jeter's style, by contrast, is to dictate terms and expect you to glumly accept them. His first act after buying the Marlins was to pointlessly freeze out Stanton. He didn't book the obligatory get-to-know-you dinner with his star at a stuffy rooftop steakhouse in Miami. He declined to call Stanton. I mean, what, what are we talking about here? And, and, you know, who gives a shit about that with the Yankees? 
I mean, it's old news. And, and then they interview uh, Gene Afterman, who is the assistant general manager. And she's talking about how Brian Cashman backs down from no one. Oh, he used to argue with George Steinbrenner all the time, and I would just close the door. Now, look. Let him rest in peace. I go back with the boss, went back with the boss a long way. And I can tell you from personal experience, I know that Boss George respected you if you stood up to him. But let's get one thing straight. In the end, who do you think was winning those arguments? The boss? Or young Brian Cashman. I, I I just find I just found a whole thing like agenda filled, and, and you know I almost it almost made me feel uncomfortable. I mean, certainly Derek Jeter was uh, without question, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. We don't know what he's going to be as an owner. I have, you know, no idea. And you can say based on first impressions. Well, based on first impressions, he had to clean up a mess. I I know nothing about the details. uh, But it was a mess, Financially, they had to. They had a horrible farm system. I'm not sticking up for Derek Jeter. I don't know the inside facts if he was right or or he was wrong. But and I like Brian Cashman. That's why this this whole thing is troublesome to me on two fronts. I mean, I covered Jeter from the very beginning with him, and quite frankly, I covered Cashman from the very beginning with him. I know both men a long time. I've had relationships with both men. Interviewed both men several times. I I just you know and it, I'm I'm dumbfounded. If I sound like I'm at a loss for words, yeah, I am. I just don't understand the point of Unless you want to kiss the Yankees' asses and endear yourself, and you're going to take shots at Jeter. I mean, in the book, it gets brought up that there was a pop fly that dropped between Jeter and Alex Rodriguez. And Jeter stood there with his hands on his hips, glaring at A-Rod, emasculating him. That was the term used, emasculating him on national TV. All right? Look who the hell you're sticking up for. Alex Rodriguez? The cheat? The liar? The fraud? Really? That, like when I'm reading that, to me the whole point of that is telling me this is a book about the Yankees that is just an agenda. You went in, you wanted um, access, you got your access, then you put on your chapstick, and you kissed ass. 
I, I just really, you know, and, and I'm not the charter member. I'm not the, the, the chairman of the Derek Jeter fan club. But for crying out loud, we're not talking about a good Yankee. We're talking about an all-time great Yankee. You don't think anybody or any of the other guys had warts from Joe D to Babe to all of them? Come on. Mickey? I'll tell you one guy who didn't have any warts, and I'm partial. It's Yogi Berra. He was just a he was just sweet Yogi. Let him rest in peace. But but really. And we're going back over the issue of the negotiation, uh, Jeter's last contract for 51, I mean, $51 million, three years. Like, come on. And I'll tell you something. If I was Cashman, I would have kept my mouth shut on this. I mean, I, you are the general manager of the Yankees, and Derek is a Yankee icon. What, what's the point of getting into some kind of little pissing match? What purpose is that going to serve with Yankee fans? I know what the book's going to serve. I ordered it. That's what books do. Oh, let, let me put in something enticing here, and well, let, let's, you know, we want to read about that. I, I I just find that, uh, you know, anybody can write a book uh, and they're entitled to write whatever they want as long as it's true. You you can have your own opinions, but you can't have your own facts. Facts are facts. But I, ju- I just find that this whole inside the empire, just based on the excerpt that I read, was an agenda. At least this this part was an agenda to to ingratiate themselves with the Yankees and piss on Jeter. The purpose of that to me, other than selling a book, makes no sense to me whatsoever. None. Just don't just don't get it. So that's my two cents worth on um inside the Empire. Just, just does doesn't make sense to me. But having said that, let's let's move on to something that also doesn't make sense to me. This new proposal that uh, Giants owner John Mara, to his credit, wanted no part of you know voting on it. And who knows? By the time this podcast hits air, maybe it'll be nay, maybe it'll be yay, maybe it'll pass, maybe it won't. But there's a proposal that. In the fourth quarter, you can have an option. Instead of the onside kick, because onside kicks hardly work anymore, so instead of the onside kick, they're going to give you the ball on your own 35-yard line. This was the proposal of your own 35-yard line, fourth and 15. Okay? To which John Mara said, what is this? What are we becoming, arena football? And apparently this rule that they do this in this new AAF, Alliance of American Football. Now, let's think about this for a second and why I feel it is so stupid. 
It's the fourth quarter, and I believe you're allowed to use it once, okay? But it's the fourth quarter. Now, if you're going to onside the – let's use some common sense here. If you're going to onside the kick in the fourth quarter, obviously you're doing it for a reason. You're behind and you're desperate. You need the ball back. Okay. So – you get the ball fourth and 15 on your own 35. What am I going to do here? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, guys, run far and wide, and let's try and get pass interference. That's what you're going to do. It's stupid. It's, it's a dumb rule. Suppose you get an offside. So now it's from 4th and 15, it goes to 4th and 10. Suppose it's a 10-yard penalty, so now it's 4th and 5. Suppose it's a roughing the passer, as opposed, or unsportsmanlike, or any one of those things. Hands to the face, face mask. Auto- Come on! I'm sorry. I just think that's an absolute stupid rule. I understand, you know, because of the certain rules and the way it's set up, you know, the onside kick is like almost a thing of the past. But uh, as Crash mentioned to me before when when, when I I mentioned it to him, it's kind of like baseball did away with, you know, the intentional walk. You had to throw four times. Well, I'm sorry. I like seeing the ball thrown four times because something can happen. Something indeed can happen. Remember, Chris, I'm, I'm remembering the World Series. 72. It was the 72 World Series. Johnny Bench and uh, against the Oakland A's. And, and all of a sudden, Raleigh Fingers throws the ball. And, and all of a sudden, there's a strike. Because Johnny Bench wasn't waiting for it. Wasn't prepared for it. So now, now they got an extra strike on them. What the hell? Let's try and get them out. They struck them out. Plus, a ball can be thrown awry. I, I, but that's baseball. Okay, so I've discussed that already. But I just don't. I mean, an onside kick is an onside kick. I think the game is exciting enough. Oh, let's, okay, 4th and 15. All right, here we go. We just scored a touchdown, 4th and 15. I'm sorry. And and let me tell you, that 4th and 15, it's pressure on the offense. You're damn right it's pressure on the defense because those DBs, we got to make sure we don't get called for pass interference. It, it, it's just, it's it's a bad Bad cockeyed rule, if you ask me. Cockeyed proposal. If it becomes a rule, if it becomes a fact, or call it an alternative or what, I I just don't get it. Just don't understand it. I mean, you, you... It's not supposed to be easy. Onside kicks are not supposed to be easy. Then the next thing you know, what are you going to do? Or you, you want to do? Ah, I don't want to try an onside kick in the second. Well, you won't have them. They're only apparently the rule is only for the fourth quarter. 
Oh, sir, can I raise my hand? Can we do away with the onside kick? I want to surprise everybody, but I know I can't surprise them in the second qu- quarter. Go, can we do – come on. The game's not broke. I understand you always want to try to fix things, but it's not broke. Fourth and 15, I, I just – I mean, think about that. And I think you would, I mean, that would be in the game plan. Let's try and get pass interference. Let's try and and draw this foul. Teams would concentrate on that. So to me, that's that's a bad rule. And um, now let's go to the NBA. You know, I call this gambling on the NBA. It can apply it certainly does apply to all sports. Baseball, the NFL, hockey. Um, you, you've certainly heard me mention about the ridiculousness a couple of weeks ago in baseball that the team's um, managers are now required. Teams are now required to give their um, lineup cards before they give it into the public they have to uh, give it to the commissioner's office, and the commissioner's office then sends it to the MGM, who NFL, uh, Major League Baseball are now partners with. So that can help uh, uh, put the point spreads on for the said games that day, the game we're, we're talking about. But the reason I bring up the NBA, um, this past edition of um, 60 Minutes, I happen to be watching. And they were talking about gambling on sports. And they were talking with with Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, who I have a great deal of respect for. I think he's a very, very bright guy. Um, you know, part of the now generation, if you will. He gets it. Um, but basically, you know, the NBA has bought in. The NBA has bought in to gambling. Just like all these other sports. I mean, think about it. You're you're encouraging gambling when it used to be taboo. And, you know, in this story, he... You know, the commission is talking, well, yeah, just like that. So all of a sudden, money dictates. Not that that's something we didn't know before, but now it's validated. Money dictates. And mark my words. You are going to see problems because of this legal gambling. You will see problems. You will you will see insinuations. You will see it's just awful what you're going to see. They had the coach, um, not the coach. They had the athletic director from Marshall University. I think his last name was Hamrick. Uh, maybe it was Mike Hamrick. He was the athletic director of Marshall. And he was talking about how bad legal gambling is. And he brought up an interesting point. Before he was at Marshall, 
He was the athletic director at UNLV, where gambling in Las Vegas has been legal for a long time. And they were at a game, uh, and he's sitting. This is when he's the athletic director, and I think he, he I, I'm pretty sure he said this when he had first arrived there at UNLV, or, you know, was there a short time. Anyway, he's sitting with his wife and a friend, uh, a guest, whatever, and they're watching the game, and UNLV is winning the game easily in hand, and the guy uh, uh, was, you know, at the end of the game, and the guy didn't make a shot or didn't take a shot or something. And the fans were booing. And he looked, him and his wife looked at each other and says, they're booing. I mean, they're winning the game easy. What are they booing about? And their friend said, basically so much so, this is Las Vegas. They're booing because he didn't cover. He didn't cover the point spread. Watch how that is going to rear its ugly head. Watch. You know, uh, you're getting into the pretty soon the basketball postseason. Your your, your baseball season is starting. Watch. And and I'll tell you something else. I went to a friend's. Um, Went to an engagement party. D- dear, my best friend, his son was getting married, and uh, is getting married, and you know, some of the boys, a lot of young guys there, you know, mid twenty, mid twenties, all from nice families. You know, they knew who I was, so they're all coming up to me, and they're all asking me who I like in this game and who I like in that game, and they're all on their phones. I'm sorry. That's telling me that's an epidemic that's coming. I Listen, I've done this. I had We've had podcasts on this. I had Arnie Wexler, who's uh, used to be the head of the count, New Jersey Council on Compulsive Gambling. He's now down in Florida. I mean, he's an expert on this. Um You start them out young, you watch what's going to happen. You watch what's going to happen. You know, NBA, MLB, NFL, NHL, they all want a piece of the pie. Let's hope they don't gag on the pie because it's going to be a problem. I'm telling you. It's going to be a problem. I just, I, I said this from the beginning when, when you know, they were legal. And l- listen, are you asking me, have I ever been on a game? Sure I have. But I'll tell you this much. You know, if, if it was legal, like when I was in high school or college, you would have been running to bake bets all the time. All the time. But you're gonna you you're gonna see the innuendos and all that's gonna happen. People are gonna be more concerned about the points, but and basically, in his interview on sixty Minutes, he said that uh, Adam Silver. You you can make in game bets. 
And, and Adam Silver brought out a point. By doing that, it keeps the fans' interest, and that means more viewer eyes. And more viewer eyes, quote-unquote, means ratings. It's business. So gambling, the league, and television, it's all tied in with one another. That's some alliance, isn't it? Gambling, TV, and the sport itself. And finally, I get to one Barbara Streisand. We'll go away from sports. Yeah, you should cringe, Crash. You should cringe. No doubt all of you have heard about uh, this thing, documentary that's been on regarding uh, Michael Jackson leaving Neverland. And you have two young men talking about how, uh, you know, they'd stay at Neverland. You know, their parents allowed them to stay. And, you know, they were molested, violated, whatever the hell you want to call it. That's what happened to them. All right? Whatever you want to call, uh, that's what happened to them. So Barbara Streisand, she comes out, and I'm going to read a quote, okay? I'm going to read a quote from Barbara Streisand. She's, She's referring to the two young men. You can say molested, but those children, as you heard say, they were thrilled to be there. They both married, and they both have children. So it didn't kill them. Now, is that not a putz? Is that not an asshole? Is that not a complete moron? I don't wish something like that happening on anybody, on anybody's child. So, I mean... Should we say, you know, somebody, like we've heard all these horrific stories with the church. So if a kid married and has a nice life, you could say, well, it didn't really hurt him that much. I mean, what are we talking about? Is is this woman not a complete idiot? Then she goes on to say his sexual needs, talking about Michael Jackson now, his sexual needs were his sexual needs coming from whatever childhood he has or whatever DNA he has. I feel bad for the children. I feel bad for him. Now, we've heard Barbara Streisand say in the past, you know, remember when, uh, and I'm not making this into a political thing, but remember she said if, like, Trump gets elected, she was going to move to Canada. Canada would be too close. The moon or Mars would be a better deal. Still too close. Still too close. I mean, I want you to think about this hard and fast, folks. I really want you to think about this, that this idiot, a complete moron, an insensitive imbecile, makes a remark to the extent that 
They both married and they both have children, so it didn't kill them. So it's not so bad. Pedophilia is okay. So what's so bad about it? But, but that's what the insinuation is. This is a freaking idiot. You know, we haven't heard. Well, I guess we heard from her at the Academy Awards. Stick to your singing, moron. Now, but I will say this. And anybody who's listening here knows I'm not a Trumpster. Okay. But can you imagine if somebody from the right made a remark like this? How the left would go after that individual. Well, to me, actually, somebody on Facebook had a good uh, remark to me. that They responded when I put this on Facebook. They said, well, you got to give her credit for bringing both sides together. Everybody thinks she's an idiot now. I happened to think that was, I was, I was insulted that I didn't th- think that, I was upset that I didn't say that to myself. His sexual needs were his sexual needs, coming from whatever. I feel bad for the children. I feel bad for him. You know, of course, she goes, you know, she blames the parents that would allow their children to sleep with them. Well, I think parents who do that should be locked up. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But to say, well, it didn't hurt him, it didn't kill him, you know, they got married, they have their own children. How about the scars and effects? Think about it. How about all the scars and effects that it leaves on a child? And this moron comes out with an idiotic remark like that. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, she was in a movie with Nick Nolte, The Prince of Tides. And it was about part of a guy's, I think Nolte's character, If and I'm just, it's just striking me now, part of Nolte's character I think he was abused as a child. I mean, folks, I don't think I have to appeal to your common sense. I think it goes without saying about pedophilia and the victims of it. And this moron has the nerve to make an idiotic remark like that. They both married and they both have children, so it didn't kill them. I feel bad for the children. I feel bad for him. Well, he's dead. So nobody's taking him to task anymore but his name. These kids are living with that. Are the parents morons? Yeah, without a question. I've never doubted that. You can go on and I can go on and on and with, with, with Jackson's family and friends and everybody else. Hey, Mike, you know, this sleeping with the kids and having them hang out, you hanging out with young kids, it's not so good. Not a good idea. That's not what I'm talking about now. I'm talking about they both married and they both have children, so it didn't kill them. Okay. 
Where'd you get your psychology uh, degree from? The Acme uh, uh, School of Medicine? What a putz. Barbara Streisand. I mean, I, on the scale of insensitivity, 1 to 10, this is off the charts. Let me just say that. One of the most disgraceful things I've ever heard. But why? Here's another question for you. Why isn't it getting huge play? Because I don't think it's a little thing. I think it's a big deal. And you know what I what was talking about earlier with an agenda in this book with the Yankees? Well, that tells me that the media has an agenda. Because I'm going to tell you this damn sure. And I'm not a member of the right. But what's fair is fair. If a member of the right came out with a remark like this, the media would blister the said individual. Blister. Nonstop. You're hardly hearing a peep about this. I like to know why. Barbara Streisand, my ass. And that, my friends, is a wrap on today. I want to thank all of you for getting a load of this. And now I'd like to get a load of you. Let me know your thoughts on Twitter at Russ Salzberg, on Facebook. You can also visit my website. Real simple. It's russsalzberg.com. My thanks, as always, to the big man who takes good care of me, a.k.a. My, my, I should say Crash, a.k.a. Mike Caragliano, to uh, my outstanding OG Podcast Network producer, Tim Einickel, the man who runs the OG Podcast, Chris Rutsky, Craig Schwab, 77 WABC Program Director, and his able-bodied Assistant Program Director, Matt Dahl. And last but certainly not least, you guys and gals out there, because without you guys and gals, I'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying to all of you, Bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Have yourselves a great week, and enjoy the opening of the baseball season. Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online, at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.